Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of Welcome to Fatherhood Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Brialis. I'm with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. How's it going, my brother? Everything's well, man. How things are going? Oh, man. No worries on there. No complaints. Who listens anyway, right? That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's who, it's who cares anyway. Ah. Uh, they might uh, listen, but I don't know if they care. <laughs> I'm also pleased to announce we have a special guest, Paul Flowers. How's it going, my brother? I am doing well. You know, I was just waiting for the studio applause. Like, ah. <laughs> I get to you right yeah. now. The studio clap. That's usually only in, in Toastmasters. I get those applause. Other than that, they're like, wait, Flowers in the building. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> man, brothers, I'm feeling very well this evening, a beautiful evening, and I'm just in a state of gratitude to be sharing the stage with you two. Uh, glad to have connected with you brothers again. You're up to something great and I'm glad to be a part. Yeah, so Paul, give us a little bit uh, of your background, so your, your story. So uh, how many kids you got, what are their ages? And also what do you do for a living or for a purpose? I like the way you phrase that for a purpose. So I'll do all three. I'll do background, kind of what got me to this point, then the children and then purpose-driven work, I'll call it at present. Background, born and raised in this lovely little city of Chicago. And as I was sharing with Raheem before we got started, uh, if I never saw another snowflake, <laughs> I'd be okay, right? We've got construction and winter as our seasons. Uh, and aside from that, it has been a, a good journey throughout the city. So grew up here, uh, went to a St. Felicitas school, uh, Mount Carmel High School, and got on out of here, went to Southern and Carbondale uh, program at Georgetown after that. I found my way back to a fiance and a family. And uh, from that lovely unit came a uh, baby boy. Now he was my first biological, but I'd always say I had three children because I was a, a bonus dad to two and did that for eight, a little over eight years-ish. Uh, and although we didn't quite work out, we still have an amicable co-parenting relationship. So that is my only current biological child, my nine-year-old son. I shared with Raheem, I recently gotten married actually in February of this year. And wouldn't you know it, <laughs> just a few short months later, I get a little piece of plastic She's messing with me. I take her to a regular visit. She comes out and like, yeah, I think I got COVID. And I look at the stick. And I'm like, they don't test COVID on these. <laughs> so at that time, gentlemen, I found out that I was going to be a father once more. Now, we'd initially, after we got married, said we would, you know, spend the first year with us and maybe think about children 2023 and beyond. And boy, if my timing wasn't perfect, because our due date is February of 2023. So at that point, we looked to welcome Summer Monet to the family, to the garden, as I should say, right? Play on my last name. Uh, so we will have then two children between us. Um, again, my first being my firstborn son, her first being our daughter, Summer Monet. And uh, we'll, we'll see how, how far we grow the garden, right? As, uh, as things allow. Now um, to that third point, well, what would allow us to grow this garden as fast and furious as we can? Well, green pastures, right? And by green pastures, I mean good green, uh, what they call them, greenbacks, dollars. Uh, 
No, not the children are totally dependent on finances, but I do realize that, you know, when you raise a child, you want to raise them with the means to expose them to things and not just to expose them to things through the internet. So in terms of working my purpose, living my purpose, I like to teach, train, and share right, information with individuals. So as my purpose work, I'll call it, uh, currently Vice President of Employee Benefits Select Division here for a company out of Chicago. It's an insurance company, uh, actually out of New York, but I work in the Oak Brook office. We uh, work with employees, from, excuse me, employers with 10 to 50 in their, under their stead. I help the human resources and C-suite to really understand what benefits are, the different breakdowns of the options that are available in the marketplace, and really just take a consultative approach to solving their problems. So my purpose in terms of what I do is to help small business owners solve the problems related to human resource functions, employee engagement, uh, by way of making sure that they have a complete benefits package, as well as other technological resources to run their businesses effectively. Um, kind of a little backstory on how I'd gotten into that as I recently accepted the position, um, been in the insurance industry for about 17 years. Uh, first 12 plus were with Legal Shield. Didn't realize that legal services were something that were needed in our community. And I got introduced to that while I was down at SIU, as a matter of fact. Uh, fast forward to uh, Little Life Insurance through 2010, 2011, 2012, left it alone. Did some corporate sales and marketing and uh, management and then found myself into corporate health insurance sales. And, and that's really where it took off. And I really found that that niche. And, you know, you, you get into something kind of like you get in the groove. And I'm, I'm your brother. Of course, everybody's heard of Michael Jordan. Right. But, you know, when you get in the zone, right, you see him in the game and he's just in the zone shot after shot after shot, just draining them. Well, I had no experience in in health insurance and. Luckily, I was a quick study because when I got introduced to it for a profession, because I had been in the direct sales face to face for so many years, because I had mentors and thankfully some of them looked like me that encouraged me to open my mind and read books uh, because those things were present in my life, even though I had no experience in the health insurance field, my first year in health insurance, which was a four month contract. Uh, out of 120 people, uh, I placed third in terms of number of sales, right? Third highest uh, policy sales. But what what really stuck out was um, something I actually just recently shared on LinkedIn. I was in a position with this company and this, the strangest thing, this happened twice at the same company. But they, they said, don't shine too brightly because then people will start to look at you. I don't know if anybody ever had that happen before. They say, don't shine too brightly. You know, don't, don't be the one that's really out there. And, and in front of them, I could only maintain that composure and be like, okay, I can understand that. Yeah. Man, what the back <laughs> of my mind, when I say it was like red flags, jumping jacks, and all this stuff, like, what are they saying? Like, are you really telling me to come to a position in sales and not shine brightly? Mind blown. Right. Needless to say, the company's goal was 35% conversion. And again, because I had mentors, because I had training, because I had people pour into me, I'm like, that's low. Right. You're telling me we've got this environment set up where we offer the thing that people want 
during the time of the year, that's really the only time more or less that people can get it. And y'all goal is only three to four out of 10. Brothers, when I say I ended the year, and again, I keep all my stats, right? So I keep the emails to document. People like to talk it, but I'll, I'll put it up and show it. Is that um, I closed number one in conversion uh, at 86.64%. Mm. Uh, only three other people hit over 35%. One was at 42, one was at 46. Another was at like 36 or 37, but I blew it away. Right? So they said, they said, don't shine brightly. I said, okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, so much so that they had to bring VPs of the company to, uh, to come and sit next to me and plug into the computer to see what was I doing. And, and it turns back to, again, your point was uh, my purpose. Um, was connecting with people, finding out what their problem was and, and listening to them and helping them solve the problem. So ultimately that's the purpose work that I do now is, you know, plus backstory, uh, but helping business owners at this point to solve these problems. That's cool. Well, first, before I ask my question, uh, congratulations on, you know, the, the, the new marriage and also the, the new baby on the Thank way. You. Thank you. Uh, how how are you and your wife preparing yourselves for um, you know to bring this new life into the world? Uh, you a fan of Rihanna? You ever you ever hear that song? Work, yeah. work, 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 work. <laughs> so, so that's about it, right? When we wrap up this evening, guess what I'm gonna do? Work, 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 work <laughs> to uh, to get more out there, to bring more in, to put more out, right? If you catch that drift. Um, well, let, let me ask you this way then. Uh, mentally, how are you preparing yourself? There we go. Yeah, I, I knew you were going to shift it. That <laughs> way. So, um, yes, sir. The, um, for, for myself, coming into parenting, my Instagram handle used to be father of the century 13, right? My, um, my dad died when I was three, right? Two weeks before my fourth birthday. And I didn't grow up with the father in the house. You know, my mother never remarried. So I didn't grow up with that, that strong masculine presence in the household. And I made a decision at some point, I was probably 10, 11, 12. I said, whenever I become a father, I'm going to be the best father ever. And that was it, right? It, not that I was like, oh, let me just go out and have children as soon as I can, right? That wasn't, that wasn't me. And I, I held on to that so that when I did finally become a father, all that, again, mentoring, personal value, all that stuff from all those years that was poured into me, mm-hmm. it, it only was natural to pour into other people, to pour into other people's children. And then when my child finally came, to pour into him. So at this point of preparation for now round two, <laughs> so to speak, it's that, that learning more, right? You would think, oh, well, you got a child, you know, you've been a parent for 10 years. Why would you why would you want to learn more? Well, just like, you know, before we got the recording started here, uh, I asked about what it's like being a girl dad versus a boy dad, because it's different, right? And though I've parented up to individuals in their 20s as a bonus dad, you know, you've got seven more years of biological experience. You've got the girl experience twice, right? Not once. You liked it so nice. You did it twice, right? So I ask questions and I learn from other men specifically about what it's like to be a parent to a girl dad and a parent to multiple children. 
I ask brothers all the time and, and, you know, ethnicity aside, people all the time, really, that I find that have been married for anything more than a year. (laughs) (laughs) One of my brothers, we we were at a birthday party. I met an old colleague that I was at a previous company with and congratulated him on his wedding because I was there. It was a Zoom wedding. It happened during the pandemic. And I said, man, I had to get some tips from you. He said, well, man, you, uh, you ain't but a week behind me. Right. And he, he was just celebrating, I think, two and a half years at that point. And uh, we're we're coming up on what we just celebrate eight months. So uh, but but again, if you've done it longer than me, you've taken that many more steps than I have. So instead of me having to this the same thing, same way I teach my son um, to, to look at my steps and missteps and missteps. Right. People say, yeah, just watch what I did. Now watch what I did that didn't work also. So I asked um brothers what worked in marriage what didn't work in marriage right i don't just want to hear the good i need the whole picture all right um, what works with rearing the child what's not worked for you with rearing the child um, so that's that's my side of preparation for my wife uh, i'll say virtually the same thing she's participated in uh, study groups surrounding newborns infants child rearing and uh, she's connected with uh, different doulas and uh, nurses to get varying opinions, uh, varying ethnicities, to also get varying access to resources that may not always be in our community. Um, and she's been just really diligent. She just had me print out a book the other day for on uh, manifesting the perfect birth. Right? Sure. It's as I learned, and I learned all this from her. Man, I, I I don't you know I hate to be that guy that brings it up like look I don't don't cancel me okay right don't don't give me the treatment don't cancel me guys but um, hearing what women go through when it comes to the birthing process not not just internally because I know that's something that we will never understand you know I, with all due respect whatever your affiliations are and changes and all that no born male person born as male will ever understand what it's like to go through those eight nine sometimes 10 months right however long of 40 weeks of of creating on the inside right in the way that they do so having learned from her that when a woman is is on the table what's actually in those drugs that they give uh, what's in the, the epidural, what's the, what Pitocin is and how it interacts with the body, what it's made of, that kind of thing. I'm, I'm like, baby, no, we, we, we're going to write out this birth plan to make sure that I can reinforce the things that you want for you during that time. We're, we're looking to um, um, have a, I call it non-traditional, right? Outside of the hospital, uh, either home birth or a birthing center, one of the two, mm-hmm. uh, and in the middle of a birthing center for more natural uh, drug-free birth. And just through kind of gleaning from some of her research causes more questions to why there are not certain things that are offered for, I'm not just going to say people in our community per se, uh, Southside resident of Chicago, um, people of color per se, um, but it might just be the institution. I don't know. Um, but what, it, what we realized was not present in some of these meeting um, visits 
because I go to all the, the doctor visits, you know, with her. I'm, I'm right there. And, and hey, it's our first time, and I'm, it's my first time too. We in here, right? We wear units, so we show up together. The um, the things that are that we realized weren't present were uh, questions about care, right? Uh, meaning, hey, are, how are you being cared for at home? Here's some advice on how you should continue to care for yourself. Here's a type of exercise you want to do, exercises to do, things like that. Instead, we get asked the question 16 weeks in, mind you, I think it's a 16 week visit. We get asked the question, oh, do you uh do you still wanna you still wanna keep it? Like you guys planning on taking this full term? Ma'am, we're coming to a a well-known, world-renowned, um, well-known world-renowned hospital and for a visit, right? For obviously a progressive visit. And your question, one of your first questions is, well, are you going to keep it? Yeah, something about the way that that came out to me says that that was, that there's training in that environment that says that when you see this, ask this. So as, as alarming as that was, um, you know, until we've actually getting ready to look at another doctor, uh, not our look at, we got the appointment for next month for a different provider. You know, sometimes you have to realize who's caring for you and who's not. So through listening and learning from her research also as a first time parent, which because there'd been so much research done at this point, she's very comfortable uh, in the in the idea of having a natural birth. And look, I'm right there to support. Like I said, don't necessarily know what it'll be like to go through it per se, but look, I'm I'm gonna have a pillow that you can squeeze on <laughs> if, if nothing else. So um, so yeah, that's 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 my take, brother. I might have gone way off with the question, but I know you're asking about preparation. So really, really connecting with other people, asking questions. Same for her, connecting with other people, asking questions, and then asking ourselves, what do we want? What do we want to see? Uh-huh. Putting it in writing and holding that to uh, basically the standard of how this birth will go. Yeah, you, you was on point, man. That's good stuff. So, so Paul, walk me through it, man. She uh, she hands you that pregnancy test, <laughs> and you see the plus on there. I don't know if it was a plus or it was a two lines. I don't know what two lines. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a two line joint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? As soon as you saw it, man, what, what went through your head? What was your uh, Welcome to fatherhood moment. Whew. In that in that moment. It, it it was it was probably about 16 different thoughts. I think the top three were <laughs> oh man. Oh, this is for real. All right. Second thought was, well, glad I'm married this go-round, right? We actually <laughs> all the way through with the marriage, so we can do, you know, do it the right way. And third, at that point, I was uh, doing a contract, I, I trained for a couple companies, uh, probably at that point, it was June, I was right at the beginning of that contract. Um, so over the summer, I trained somewhere between five and 700 people to um, get their life and health insurance licenses. And I knew at that point, I was already courting the company that I'm with. Um, so I just said, you know what? I know that this is gonna come through because for me to get news like this, lets me know that through some divine way, 
right? There's going to be a way to take care of everything that we need at that point. Um, and sure enough, everything came through. So, so those were the main three thoughts was like, oh, oh, this is real, right? And yeah, this is real. And then it was just automatic, you know, for me, you know, I guess as the guys, and you guys may or may not relate when it comes to having found out after the first go round, it's like, there's work to do. Uh -huh. right? So, so I'm, I'm, it's automatically not necessarily, and this was to my fault, actually, I should say this. Oh, well, baby, how do you feel about it? Are you excited? You know, I'm like, and it might be the Capricorn thing too, right? Team Capricorn. Initial thought, brothers went to, okay, I, I got work to do to make sure that we can raise this one. And not to say it, let me not say this because this goes down in history. To raise this one as well as I've done before and to raise it as a unit in a way that is... Uh, in, in direct correlation with like what the world is going to be bringing, right? You know, because 10 years ago, nobody saw COVID coming. So from a preparation standpoint, 10 years out, I want to be even more prepared for the next thing that may come, which may require, again, you know, two commas in, in the net worth and not one, right? Four figures net worth is cool. Six figure net worth is better. Seven and eight, says that I won't have to worry about much. Children definitely shouldn't have to worry about much either. So at that point, my my goals got a little bigger and uh, having accepted the position with the company I'm with now, uh, in terms of the expansion that we're gonna be doing statewide, it causes me to think further than what is put out for me as a goal. And to think further on what's put out before me as a goal, uh, this person says, hey, you know, you can expect mid six figures, you know, this year. And I'm okay, that's nice. And who's the best at doing this thing that I do? And, and how do they do it? And what do they bring in? And, you know, I can pretty much figure that from knowing how the compensation structure works. And I said, okay, well, that's what I'll be doing this year. I mean, my goal is nothing less than that because I know as a human being, I'm capable of it. Another human's capable of it because they're doing it. And at this point, it's kind of like the first person that broke was Roger Bannister, broke the four minute mile. Right. And they said it could never be done. It could never be done. And now we got high schoolers breaking a four minute mile easy. Right? But it took for that one person to do it first. Well, hell, at this point, the person that's hitting in, in, the, in the space that I'm looking is already doing it. So um, it, it caused me to think that far in advance of what needs to be done to make sure that we can go to, to, to the countries to visit them. You know, we, we don't just go to the, and I love museums, right? We don't just go to the museums though to see history, we go to where history happened. Mm. We, we don't just watch the Discovery Channel to, to see what's out there. We watch the Discovery Channel to see where we've been. And it, it's a different feeling when you put that into the future for not just yourself, but for your child. And then you take the steps backwards to say, well, what is it gonna to take to get there? And for us as providers, it takes the work.
stuff. I know that you said that um, you said that your dad passed when you were three years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was the first man that you recognized as somebody you should model yourself out? Man. See, I'm, I'm also critical, right? Mm-hmm. I'm also critical. So with that, I learned that as an as adult male now, I, I get that that different fathers had different ways of being. And what I mean by that is, you know, my best friend's dad was was a little unique at times um, and and acted as such, sometimes even in public. No, nah, I don't want to be like that. Right. Had a couple of friends whose fathers weren't present in the household. Theirs weren't six feet under. They were just six miles away. Nah, don't want to be like that. Had close friends, proximity-wise, whose fathers would, you know, call them names that I wouldn't dare call my son, you know, with regard to his, his sexuality. I'll just say that. And and I'm 15, 16, hearing him call his son these names, and nah, I don't want to be like that. Um then there were those fathers that were cool, uh, but a little harsh at times to them. Like, cause I, I, I teach my son this. I ask him, I said, Mace, once he got old enough to really comprehend language and I always spoke to him, like I speak to you all, right? The, none of that baby talk, n- n- nope. You gonna understand language, son, period. Words rule things, learn to do the words well. So I believe that there's a way to communicate effectively with your child and even correct your child without having to yell at them, call them names, and put your hands on them. Also, um, I trained my child using the one, two, three method. Um, It just so happens that when I was finishing up my bachelor's, I took a class on effective parenting. And I came across this book as a part of a required reading for class called the one, two, three method. So I used that for my son from the time he was two to about five. And I told his mother at the time we were together, I said, you know, by the time he's five, I don't want to have to, touch him. right. Don't want to have to touch him. And only one time that I have to tap him and raise my voice uh, after he lied about taking a shower. Right. Uh, you take a shower. Yeah. As he's sitting on the couch, I lift up his foot. Dirty as a day is long. Okay. Uh, yeah, you, you took a shower, huh? Come, come in the bathroom. Show me, show me what type of shower you took. Oh, you know, I hopped in here like this. Because nah. only his hair was wet. I pulled down his pants and said, boy, yo, behind is still ash. Tapped it real quick. And he, he still didn't forgive me for that. He talks about that to this day. That was like three, four years ago. Um, but he doesn't, he doesn't lie anymore. <laughs> he doesn't lie anymore. And, and what happens is that I realize that patience is such an important part of parenting, because it's easy to yell. It's easy to get upset. It's tougher to say, hey, I didn't teach this child this thing such that they could not do the thing that I'm getting ready to be upset with them for, right? And, and that's a relationship thing, period, right? But, but really as a parent to a child. So noting that, 
and back to the question then, when was the first time I saw a parent, a father that I can kind of look at and emulate? Honestly, it was when I got involved in direct sales, right? Network marketing, it was it's legal shield now, it was prepaid legal at the time. A shout out to a guy named Darnell Self. Uh, you'll find him on social media and uh, Mike Humes. Uh, these brothers were bringing in respectively somewhere between half million to a million a year. Or no, I think that at that time, you know, back in the day, this 2005, 2006, they were bringing in between a quarter million to a half million dollars a year. Right. And, and not only that, they were married and, and, you know, I've got slightly different views when it comes to the institutional structures that we adhere to, i.e. marriage and other things. But that aside, uh, they were married brothers that were balling, right? I'm just going to say it the best way. And they had bankrolls, right? You could choke several cows. <laughs> not only that, that they got it for themselves, but more importantly was how they got it through teaching, consulting and teaching and training other people to get it for themselves as well. Uh -huh. so, so when I looked at that, I said, man, you know, checking off all the boxes of what I like to do, what I felt was more aligned with my soul and my purpose was to be a provider and, and looked up to in my household was to uh, have the means to do what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it through legal, moral and ethical gains um, as the male dominant figure in my household parent to my children and do so in a way that raised them respectfully and then teach other people right, how to do and get for themselves, how to earn. Nobody makes money, right? The treasury makes money. We all have to earn it. So then they, they go out and teach others how to earn and create a living and to do those things for their families too, to be able to expose them to cities and states and countries that some people unfortunately only see on TV. Yeah, I want to do that. Right? I, I, I can be like, I want to be, I want to be like Mike, right? That was Mike. Actually, it was Mike Humes. Um, but between those brothers, they were. Um, and then, you know, Darnell said his story really resonated with me. Um, it, it took him, well, I, I could hear it like it was yesterday. He's like, it took me eight years to finish a four-year degree, right, kind of thing from, from college. And, you know, I had a similar story. And I took the extended route. Uh, and when you when you hear the truth, the true number of years, you know, on paper, people will look at me like I'm crazy, but I always have to give them the rest of the story so they don't think that I'm just some belligerent or degenerate, excuse me, and not able to um, to, to stick to something and finish it. But man, that that in and of itself was a journey. So, yeah, his story really resonated with me. And at that point, you know, I had gone through grammar school, I'd gone through high school. And there still really weren't those mentors around me. Now, not to say again, that there weren't positive male role models in and around my life. Mm -hmm. There just weren't the ones that I looked at and said, oh, I want to be like that. Right? Mom had a couple boyfriends. None that I really wanted to, to be like and emulate. Like, oh, you're a great dad. No, not you. Um, father son uh, at they own truth and soul barbershop on, on 87th street right before jeffrey never forget uh, hodge was the owner's name demand was the son and uh, even though my barber was sherman 
Um, but Hodge and Demon were would always, you know, speak to me when I came in the barbershop. My mother would bring me in there, and because they I didn't have those males in the household, right? Even though I had again cousins and uncles and and a few of those spattered throughout the Chicagoland area, um, none that I was really just still like, yeah, that's the guy I want to be like, right? Um, but she would drop me off at the barbershop, and I'd be at the barbershop sometimes a little too long, but uh, you know she dropped me off there to kind of get that male camaraderie, and and having that camaraderie, you know the the I always like seeing that father son dynamic, how they were in that they basically worked together, uh, just had a real good relationship. So again, picking up great things from males in and around my environment still it really wasn't until i got involved with uh, network marketing and direct sales that i saw the guys that were doing it for them doing it for their families doing it for their communities and then showing other people how to do the same thing do it for themselves do it for their families, do it for their communities right by means of um, providing a service that made sense and then also having an economic reward that it was it was at that point where I realized, yeah, you know, I, I missed something growing up, not having that father figure present and furthered my belief, my foundation of when I do become a father, I would be the best one. So can you walk me through uh, what the one, two, three method is for the people that don't know? Oh, man, you're going to put me on the spot. <laughs> look, look, and I, and I got an A in that class, but let me, let me tell you. <laughs> the, uh, the short version of it is that you're literally counting out loud. One, two, three. And again, I'm a paraphrase. And Dr. Uh, Dr. Palin, I think, is the name. Of the, I'm going to find the name of the author by the time we, uh, before we get off of that. So I'm going to tell the author to, uh, to not be too upset with how I, uh, you know, I, I'll just say, bastardized the, the steps <laughs> oh yeah that man I, I had a good memory dr thomas phelan p-h-e-l-a-n one two three magic all right one yeah so you, you give the command you give the the request right you give the instruction we'll call it and oh they're still doing their thing one are they they still doing their thing two now i'm approaching you are they still doing that thing Three, corrective action. And right, so psychologically speaking, I think that it's just like a four quadrant thing, um, negative punishment. Yeah, as opposed to negative reinforcement because it's two different things. So I think this is negative punishment. So some sort of negative punishment is then administered to the child. And look, recording or not, spare the rod, spoil the child. It just works better, okay? It just <laughs> works better, right? I, look, my mama said, my mama said, I beat you out of drugs, gangs, <laughs> and babies. And sure enough, right? Didn't get arrested, wasn't on drugs, didn't do the gang thing, um, you know, wasn't, wasn't a, a degenerate in the streets, none of that. Nope, 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 nope. Because I understood that there was a ride that I did not like. So uh, again, one, two, three method, one, okay, two, I'm approaching three corrective action. And sure enough, it only, and, and, and it works so fast when you, when you're consistent, right? Much like anything, it works fast when you're consistent. So one, two, three turned into one, two, 
Oh, let me change my. Let me. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. What? So that one, two. Whoa, wait, wait. You had two again? Okay. Okay. Hold on. And then it just got to right. one. Right. And, and I can I can literally say one and then boom. Automatic course correction. Right. Automatic. And it was it, like the book says one, two, three magic. It became magic because then I didn't even have to say one. It was just instruction carried out. Right. But it took going from three with the corrective action to the two, to the one, to the none. And that I think Dr. Phelan will be proud of me. Right. Shout out. I've never met him. That book, matter of fact, you know, LinkedIn is, is amazing. I should probably connect with him and tell him thank you. She owned it, I'm proud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure you tag, tag him in this. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, that's cool. I want to ask you about, um, I guess, the relationship part of, of your life. Um, what have you learned? Well, what did you learn from uh, your relationship with your son's mom? that you're using in your current relationship with your, with your new wife? Woo, man. <laughs> and she can hear me too, so I don't know. <laughs> the heavy hitters. The heavy hitters coming in. Can we, wait, can we, can we bring the volume down? Can I just, can I, can I come in close and whisper this one? No, let me um, really being straightforward about what and who you are as a person. And that, well, as my say, mother used to say this too, she said, my mother used to say it actually. So this one's a few generations old. She said, of all your gettings gets you understanding. Now, admittedly at times, sometimes it's really good to put those understandings in writing so that if there's ever any misconception on what was said, if there's ever any disagreement, we can always point back to, hey, hey we said this is an outline for how we're going to do our relationship. Uh, much like a contract, so to speak. Uh, so to, to that point, being honest and upfront, again, about who you are, what you want out of a relationship, why you're getting into it, right? and just having all of that clear upfront. And then a, a phrase, um, I can't think of who said it first, but I'll say it now. Uh, to thine own self be true. Right? And it, it's, a, it's a longer quote, but I just kind of really shorten it down. And two, two quotes, one that precedes that is know thyself. So before then, you know, before the second relationship, I was just real clear on who and what I was, what I wanted and who and how I am and what I'd like to be. And so know thyself first, then um, to thine own self be true. Right? Cause it, it's, you know, and we, we, and I, and I'm, man, I can hear the challenge comments on this next phrase as I say it. Um, but, but we're not here to be people pleasers, right? Really, to me, right? Again, my humble opinion. We're here to have a, um, an understanding of who and what we are, what we're standing for, and then stand on that, mm -hmm. right? Now, I understand that there's a certain degree of flexibility within relating to another human being. I'm not saying be 100% rigid on everything. And at the same time, have certain things about you that you love about you and that you are absolutely certain that that other person loves about you 
such that if and as they show themselves within the relationship, there's zero question or comment whether or not it was there before, it was going to be there in the middle, and if it will be there in the end, right? So, and that only comes through knowing thyself and then to thine own self be true, right? And the third thing would be to communicate that early and often. I guess the fourth step would then to be uh, gain agreement on it, right? And if I were to just uh, you know, put it out there, fish for a fifth, just so we can have a handful of steps, five steps to a perfect relationship, right? And let's get it low key. Know thyself to thine own self, be true. Um, communicate it early and often. I think I just skipped one and going through that again. We'll have to run the tape back. Um, and um, basically, if you need to have it in writing, have it in writing, I guess is the fifth step. Whatever that fourth one was, it's in there. Um, but yeah, have it just, just really get agreement. You know what I mean, um, and if it takes writing, write it down because people forget, right? People forget. And you, you don't want to be in a situation where you, you know, hey, look, I like to go out every Tuesday, right? And go play chess uh, over at the lounge and, and have a stogie with my buddies and some bourbon. That's just my Tuesday thing. That's what I do. Right. I've got a child, especially if you have children involved, previous children, you're bringing children into a relationship or they've got children, whatever it is. Um, establishing those boundaries, so to speak, of what is acceptable for you, not acceptable for you and getting the agreement on it. Right. And if it's a no deal, then be a no deal and be OK with the no deal. Right? I am. And that was one of my things that I wish I'd done differently. First go around. Hey. Know thyself. All right, okay, got that one. Tell the known self be true. Yeah, we knocked that one out too. Um, communicate it right, and express it and get agreement on it. Right? So I'm communicating it. Yeah, but was the agreement there? Not in total. Right? So to the brothers that may listen to this going forward, sisters too, whomever, because this is just universal, get the agreement. And if it is not an agreement, be okay with the no. They can be as pretty as they want to be, right? Beautiful. But believe me, with no agreement, they get real ugly, okay? Right? They get real ugly. <laughs> the time, yeah, but she'll one when them horns come out and the temperature, <laughs> and it's like, ugh, I'm good, right? In order to prevent that, though, when there's an agreement in place, right, that fourth step, five, if you need to write it down, um, there's, there's not, you know, when it comes to integrity, right? It's doing what you say, saying what you do, that kind of thing. Then if this is what our agreement is, and this is what our agreement is, right? That doesn't change four, five, seven, 10, 12 years from now, unless we change it in agreement. Um, and that's, I, I'll pause on that one because I can go down another path of language. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good stuff. I was thinking like, what if, um... I know that you said that, you know, it's about a lot of it is based in integrity and, um, you know, standing on what you say. So, like, when you encounter them situations where you. Uh, the the you get to the point where it's, where it's the agreement and then it's a no and then you're like, well, maybe it's OK. Let's just, you know, <laughs> but you kind of uh, go off of what you were standing on. Yep. So, I'll go ahead. 
No, I was just gonna say like how how should people handle that that situation? What type of conversation should you have with yourself to be able to stand on that note and be cool with that? See, this is where I think we were speaking about this again before we before we started the tape. We aren't classically trained in emotional management such that we can be okay with walking away from something that we think we want so much. Mm. Woo. Try that one. Try that one on. So, so what that looks like is, man, she's beautiful. I've been with her for two, three, four months. We really talking, we really vibing. And, you know, she just loves, loves, loves uh, gentlemen with no facial hair. And and to me, you know, I grew up in a in a culture where Men don't shave their faces, right? Men keep their beards, they grow them beards. But but three months in, she finally tells me, oh, you know, it's all scratchy and, you know, you should really just shave it. But see, beards were so important in my family. My father was a beard comber. My, my father's father was a, a beard engineer. You know what I mean? And as I grow up, I'm a barber and I got a beard oil coming out, but she wants me to shave my beard. You know what? I'm gonna have to pass on that. And I'm, I'm using a real superficial example for the, for the comedy of it, but take that same thought process and to put it towards anything that you stand very strongly on. So yeah, I'm gonna have to pass on it. Now you've given up who you are, right? So, so, so if you're willing to give up who you are here in the beginning of this relationship, how else are you gonna give up on who you are? Sure. Should be the question. And really, a, a self-respecting woman who wants a man that is a man should, A, not work to change him. Stop that, ladies. Just stop it. Uh, um, improvements, yes. Additions, yes. Total change to things that are um, foundations to another person's being. Unless it's destructive, let it be. Okay? And I get it. It's all relative. But again, another conversation. Um, but if, if we're classically trained to say, you know what? This principle I hold near and dear, let me keep this as my core value and then stand on that. If we were trained to be able to accept the, the, the rejection, the nasty looks, the poor comments, the name calling, right? So back to the beard example. Oh, you, you not you gonna you gonna let me go because of a beard? You know you go you can't that rusty old beard. Right now it's rusty, right? <laughs> right now it's rusty. She was fine when I'm taking out to dinner and I'm eating and she get the food off the beard, but now three months in she really want me to shave it to make it serious and all of a sudden it's a rusty beard, right? It wasn't rusty when I was taking you to dinner. It wasn't rusty when we you know, was planning a vacation. It wasn't rusty when we was thinking about, you know, what a family could look like, but now I'm rusty. All right, come on. How soon things change when, uh, when, when you realize that, that I'm, I'm not going to bring that one up. So I, a Bible verse came behind a couple of them. And I'm, and I'm not, you know, again, per se, the most religious uh, in that sense, but there are some very good things written that are worth repeating. Um, I just won't repeat it on this one. You, you guys are going to have to invite me back for another interview. So yeah, definitely, <laughs> we got to have part two. <laughs> right, right, exactly. 
But um, but yeah, I think that when when we step away from those things that we hold as foundations to who we are, we allow for anyone and anything to chip away at the very fabric of our being. So if you start it once in a relationship, it's gonna happen in other places. Just wait, right? Just wait. But if it doesn't happen in that relationship, then good for you. Let if if we can learn to let it go, right? Good for us. And, and I'll say why that's easier logically speaking right get it you yeah we're logical it, it it's it's a numbers game and i don't mean to say that again relationships are games people just take stuff out of context and they run with it right so i gotta say you'll hear me say something i gotta kind of clean it up a little bit because somebody will take that snippet and be like man flower said <laughs> but um what i'm saying is that if you look at the population of the planet, right, there's 8 billion people. So let's do some math. And I'm not, I'm a, I'm a really tear this math. No, you know what? I got the calculator. I don't have to tear it up. Right. So there's 8 billion people on the planet. Eight, zero, zero, zero. Hold on, let me turn my calculator. That's a lot of zeros. Okay. Oop, calculator. I just want you guys to, to get this too. And, and, you know, you may not ever have to, uh, to look at, human beings like this and sometimes it might be helpful for the listeners there's eight billion on the people on the planet eight billion people on the planet so i'm gonna divide that by two all right so let's let's say roughly half of those are people you might be interested in again just in the traditional heteronormative sense no offense all right <coughs> all right so that's four million eligible out there well divide that by two i mean excuse me two four billion uh, there's two billion that are, uh, we'll say taken and divide that by two. So there's uh, two left, divide that by two. There's 1 billion that are just not what you want, right? Half of that, all right? So now we had a 500,000. There's 500,000 that, that don't want you. Uh, there's 500,000, uh, half of that is 250, two, excuse me, 250 million. That's 250 million that just are interested in other things that just totally asexual, don't even want the, uh, the other sex. Uh, well, okay, there's got to be more out there. Well, half of those are, are just not to your, they're too young, right? Half of those are too old. Uh, half of those are too small. Half of those are too tall, right? Uh, half of those are the wrong color. Half of those speak the wrong language. Half of those just, you know, I, and I can half it down probably about four, five, six more times. Uh, but where I'm at right now, gentlemen, is uh, 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 roughly 400,804, 400,808, over 400,000. Let me just say that. <laughs> so, so then, because I, I, I bring this up because I did this math just off the top of my head at a person with a person some years ago. Um, as they were they were really upset about um, a bad breakup and like to the point of man I'm, I'm about to be out of here you know what I mean yeah. I'm like no nah, dude it's not that serious and let me tell you why <laughs> um, you know so I said they did the whole half theory half 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 and I think we ended up with somewhere to the tune of about 10,000 uh, women that may be in and around the world that are exactly who he wants exactly who he's looking for and that are and that he's exactly who they want and exactly who they're looking for so then i asked him i said hey he was in his 20s i said how many people have you met in your life 
right? How many women have you met and dated in your entire life? Probably just a few hundred. I said, so you virtually tapped into, and we'll just assume everybody's eligible for this one. I said, so you might've tapped into what, 3% of all the eligible women that are there and available to you and you ready to off yourself for one? And there's 97% undiscovered, right? Conversations not had, man. And that, and that it's like I saw the look on his face, it was like light bulb. <laughs> so my advice there is, again, back to the question, how do you deal with something like that? Because we aren't trained for it, again, get trained if need be, learn to pick up some books, be around some people that have gone through it. Um, use the half factor, <laughs> right? Take planet, planet's population, divide it in half about 10 times. And, um, and realize that if you've not traveled seven continents, right? A lot of people haven't traveled two, three, right? let alone seven continents. If you haven't been in countries and, and, and eaten and experienced language and foods of other cultures, and don't dare get caught up on a single relationship when there is so much life to be lived, right? Especially if the light relationship was detrimental. I took a, a screenshot of something the other day and it was probably because I was gonna be on here and, and I was divinely guided to take the screenshot. Two of them I actually took. One says, uh, this was yesterday, four o'clock. A fresh start isn't a new place it's a new mindset and that's one. And the other was, where is it at? Where is it at? Where is it at? It was, hold on. Oh, here we go. It's literally the next one. If someone is not for you, God will never let you be at peace with them. Don't force it. Man. So with that, Brethren, I, I, I encourage anyone else out there that's having that issue. As they say, let go and let God, right? You are God. So let go and go do something, right? Find that other relationship. Find what's true for you. That'd be my advice on that one, fellas. That was a hell of a bomb. That was a The next question I got for you, Paul, is a question that uh, I already asked. Uh, the question was... Uh, what does fatherhood mean to you? And uh, you gave, gave a real good answer. You said, uh, fatherhood to me means a multitude of things. A few bullet points are patience, kindness, unconditional love, guidance, providing, and a host of others. So could you uh, elaborate on that a little bit more? And I, and I remember when I when I wrote that to you, and I think just in conversation, we touched on just about each one of those patients. Yeah. Right? You, if you think that raising a child is easy, man, right? Go learn rocket science, and and in a, in a year, right? While you still have to work and still have to take care of the mother of the child, you go pick up rocket science. You think that that raising a child is easy? Nah, not when you want to be an active father. So with that, you have to have patience with yourself. First, patience with that child, patience with that mother, spouse, right? Um, because things will come up and they'll be unexpected. And, and without patience, we explode uh, prematurely, right? Without that patience, without that calm center, 
we take drastic actions unnecessarily. Uh, so patience is key. Uh, kindness, man, people out here just, and again, spare the rod, spoil the child, but man, you ain't got to throw the child against the wall. You know what I'm saying? Some people out here just abusing, right? Both physically and mentally. So that kindness, you know, and I get it, not personally, because this was definitely not my child. You know, brother, I didn't even let people say terrible twos around my child. I think maybe two people said it in life to me. And the moment they said it, I'm like, no, no, no. It's terrific too. Huh? Yeah, terrific too. Are you going to see? No, no, no. I'm not going to see. Only thing I'm going to see is terrific too. So the... So, so my parenting experience is different based on my energy and my beliefs, which kind of transferred in that how I how the the things that would normally potentially make a person upset, how those things occurred to me were different than how they may occur to someone who was less patient or less kind. Right. So it, it's who you are that causes how things occur to you. Right. So, uh, oh, man, come on. Um, <laughs> Talk to him. <laughs> An unconditional love, unconditional love is, and then this, this again is a universal one. This, this isn't just parent to child. This is spouses. This is all relationships. Yeah. When, when, and you know, I had some debates about this with, uh, namely women, right? But when I, I look at unconditional love, is like there is no condition under which I will not love you, right? As mm. a, as a extension of me especially my child, right? Now, well, what about a stranger? If a stranger comes and kills your baby, because everybody always want to give you the worst example they can, right? <laughs> you know, and even in that, again, not a religious person, and to, to not love another being made of the only thing that exists in this world, which is energy, which is also the very thing that I'm made of, is for me to not love myself. Mm. Now, I'm not going to go and play Parcheesi with you if you hacked up my family. Not at all. I, I probably want to do that to you, right? Also, in my most primal sense. Um, and still, there's a, a notion of unconditional love. So now bring that back to the child and the family. There is no condition under which I will not love my son. This is my daughter is here as a parent. There is no condition under which I will not love my daughter. That is what I mean by unconditional love. So uh, as long as they're living, breathing, they will be loved by me. And that's just it. And that's the, the simplest way that I can put it uh, is unconditional love. Uh, what was that fourth one? What was the, uh, the fourth, uh, fourth point? Uh, mm -mm. You see, my memory goes. Uh, at, at certain times of the certain times of the day. <laughs> uh, hold on, hold on. Let me think. I was trying to think where I wrote it down. Uh, see if I could find it real quick. Uh, so it looks like Brother Royce had to had to step off for a sec. Uh, let me see. Do do do. Did I write it? Did I write it? You know what? He. It was in the. It was in the the calendar. I think that I filled out. But needless to say, um, even with those three, I know there's a fourth, it'll come when he comes back, or it'll, just, it'll probably just randomly pop up. Um, guidance, there we go, told you. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't want to give the, the exacts because I don't want to give shout outs to negativity, but I've heard it said that a parent that does not 
show their child the way of success for that child uh, is not doing their job as a parent, right? And to expound on that a little bit, and it's one thing to have your dreams for your child, excuse me, and that child is a totally separate human being that is having a totally different life experience. So my thoughts are that the job of a parent is to observe what's going on for that child, what it is that that child likes, dislikes, wants, doesn't want, inquire about what this child is interested in, not interested in, where they want to go and be as a human being as they progress through this thing called life, and then guide them along that way, right? To guide them along that journey. Now, the journeys may not be exactly the same, and I want to uh, work in my profession and then ultimately uh, start my own school system, right? Create my own school. Whereas my son wants to go into uh, veterinarian, he wants to be a vet, right? Doctor for doctor for dogs, right? Doggy doctor. And even though that's not my path, that doesn't mean that I can't guide him in the ways that are going to be most effective and efficient for his life, given that I've gone a path, although different, but with many of the same foundational steps. Right? You want to be a veterinarian? Well, you want to be a great one? You want to be an average one? Okay, I want to be a great one. I want to be the best there is. Okay, well, there's there's only one number one, as far as I'm concerned. There's only one NBA championship winner. There's only one PGA golf tour winner. Right? There's only one spot at the top. So I, I then I looked up for him. It was like two, three years ago, six or seven. The, the top veterinarian school in the world, right? And it just so happens to be that it's in London. So then I look at that school and then I'm inquiring as to what what they call feeder schools, right? What are the requirements to get in, et cetera? And what are the feeder schools for that school? Meaning what schools typically do people come from that end up at that one, Uh, especially being over here in the US? And then what are the schools that feed those schools, right? Meaning the high schools that feed that particular university. Um, uh, and or the uh, well, the, the, the makeup of what it takes to be the person, if not exactly from the place, but what it takes to be the person that then is able to go and succeed in that environment that leads to that environment that leads to that environment, right, to his goal. So guidance says that you find out where they want to go and note the work that it's going to take to get them there. And then articulate to them what that work will be, help them along the way, and also instill them in them that you cannot do it for them. You cannot do it for them. I tell my son this all the time. Look, there's going to be a time where daddy's not talking to your teachers to make sure that you continue to get straight A's, right? That time may, may soon pass. So that being the case, as my wonderful wife walks in, that being the case, uh, you know, you have to speak up for yourself. You have to ask these questions for yourself. You have to do these things for you, right? We have to raise a man that is able to speak his own mind and chart his own course. Uh, so that guidance piece is really important because again, like I mentioned earlier, it's not just the steps to take, but also from personal experience, the missteps 
right? Whether it be personal, like relationships or practical, like don't cross the street without looking kind of thing. And the, the steps and the missteps, right, are the important things to, te to, to teach and train and kind of guide them along that path of, again, what's important for them, not just my thoughts of what it should be, right? So yeah, now those would be the four. Yeah, and again, uh, Sir Royce, there, there is a host of others. But, uh, and, uh, for the sake of not getting the, the stare of death, you know, I'll, I'll we'll, we'll tap we'll tap into the much more on part two, man. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's good stuff, though. Absolutely. So, stem as well. I'm going to be getting close to time. So I have one last question for you, uh, Paul. Sure. So um, if you can give advice to like any new dad or uh, any dad to be, like what, what would that advice be? Well, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, uh, the, the, you know, that's my knee jerk reaction. And I say it. Uh, in, in a joking manner, but also in a, in a semi-serious because, you know, anybody can create a body, right? In anybody can create a body. Any man, boy, boy, nine, 10, when did they, when did they little junk drop? You know, and they're able to produce semen. 11, 12. Relatively young. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so anyone can create life, but what does it take to actually help that life to thrive and outperform you? Right. I told my son, I told him for the longest time, I said, look, if you're only as good as me, I failed. You know, I failed. So advice that I would give to a younger father or getting ready to be dad at this point. If you have a choice, then put yourself in the absolute best position that you can see yourself in and then procreate. Right. But then this now has a phenomenal example to look up to. You can talk about your accomplishments and they can see what these decisions, steps, missteps, guidance lead to at the end of the tunnel because you're there at that point. Now, okay, if you don't put yourself in the best position, then you might just bring it about and they have to watch you do it. Uh, then that's another set of conversations. So in order to have whatever those conversations are, you have to be a <laughs> know thyself, Thy own self be true, an excellent communicator that can communicate that early and often, get agreement, and if you need to write it down, write it down, right? Get some signatures on that contract. Um, so to that young father, I'd say to do really those things, right? Know who you are. Know what you it's, a, it's a six one. It's a six one. Be okay oh. with the no. Oh, yeah, come on, come on. <laughs> Talk to him. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And and be okay with that no, right? So if you got to take the no, and then right guess seven is if to, to be okay with that no, do the half strategy. Half, half the total population about seven times. Matter of fact, do it eight times, right? And realize that that potential is still there for you to explore. And if you're not in a, oh, if you're not in position to explore whatever that number is, Right? And if you're not in position to explore that opportunity that awaits for you out there in the world to discover what may be your soulmate or your true one, if you're not in a position to stop what you're doing and go and find that plane ticket or go and book that Airbnb for a month, and go, then you're probably not ready to have a child. Mm. 
If you can't get from one through was it, one through the sixth step, be okay with the no, right? And then seven, we'll call it to, to go and find. If you can't be okay, one through seven, right? Seven's a good number. I think we like that. Well, thank for that. We, we created that together. Seven, seven steps to heaven. There it is. There are. Oh, come on. Right? Subtitle, hashtag. Right? If you can't be okay, if you don't have those seven steps down, especially that last one, right? Willie, you're not in a position to go about doing and finding what may be right for you, then it just may not be the time. Now, that that's the 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 pre-child. Now, and again, I'm gonna wrap it up quickly, but so different conversation when a person is already expecting, right? So, so, so then to my expecting fathers, uh, what I shared in the initial, uh, what I'd written down, those four things, right? So it chunks it down a little bit. Be patient, okay? Amazingly patient, be kind to your child, to your child's mother, right? Because you will never, ever, 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 right? Somebody gets that reference. <laughs> you will never go through what they go through to bring that child into the world, right? You just won't. Unconditional love for yourself, your partner, your child, and guide them, right? Now, guidance is a heavy one because it requires a heightened degree of understanding of yourself, right? We keep going back to the same stuff, right? It keeps a heightened uh, um, ability to, to do those things and to effectively communicate them to another human being in a language that they can understand that's a language that's relevant for their age right? in terms that are based on their experience to the world. So you can relate it to their world at five, at eight, at 13, at 17, right? Which again, heightened degree of communication. So, and that, that's our expectant fathers. To the fathers that are just starting out, newborns, and let's see, I got, so, so technically, biologically, I've got, it'll be 10 years of experience next month. But if we were to include the bonus children uh, and to their respective ages at this point, uh, it, it's, it's closer to about 22, right? 20, 22 uh, is, are the ages that I've, I've parented in and within. Uh, we'll say 20. Just keep going. Right? Look at those other things for the expecting father. Look at those things in the pre-relationship. And at this point, I mean, you have to keep going. You have to stay the course. Right? So don't just up and leave when, when you don't like the child's mother and you're just going to bounce and never see your child again. No, that child needs you. Right? Do whatever you need to do to be in your child's life such that your values, your beings, your ways, right? things that are I'll call it beneficial ones, right? Yeah, I get that it's relative, but clearly we know that with all due respect, sagging pants and a blunt behind the ear in the way that most people want to see their children. So, you know, good things that you have that are um, viable for the world around us and other human beings, keep going until you can pass as much as you can on until you can't pass anymore, until you pass, right? Keep going and passing on until you pass on trademark another hell of a bomb before we close out <laughs> <laughs> no that's a good one but, uh, yeah i definitely appreciate this man we um we've been having a we we call them we used to call them hall of fame episodes but uh we switched it to hall of fathers okay. so so I will put this one in the Hall of Fathers. Uh, Dr. Raheem, do you, uh, do you concur? Yeah, I, I second that. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I second Excellent. that.
Well, again, it is an honor to be here with you, brothers. Again, what you're doing is phenomenal. And I'm going to pass the word. I'll be looking for this to pop up on the Spotify's and things like that so I can pass it to other brothers. And then more importantly, get other brothers that I know that are in the position to give greatly to the audience more than I can. Um, I want to invite them and connect them with the show as well so that they can bring a message to the listeners. Uh, again, that may be above and beyond what I was able to share this evening. So if I had to hang up a jersey number in the rafters, what would your number be? I don't know if it's going to show up the way that I want it to, but right there. What is 13? that? That's it, 13. Yeah. I want, yeah, I want to do it the, the left to right way because I don't know if it's mirrored or not. But yeah, number 13, man. People call it unlucky. But if you look at it again from a, you know, I'll even call it a biblical perspective. It was one plus 12. Mm. It was one plus 12. So I'll let that one resonate. We'll, we'll sprinkle that little spice on it. Sprinkle. I'm going to call me sprinkle. Like salt. What's the name of the salt? There it is. Yeah, the salt bay on them. And put that in the mindset. But yeah, 13 to be it, man. Lucky number. That's, that's it. That's it. So 13 in the Raptors. That's, that's it. Right <laughs> nah, but yeah, thanks again, Paul, for doing this with us, man. Really, really appreciate it, man. This is the really valuable uh, you know, session, the podcast that we, we had with you, man. So definitely appreciate you. Hey, man, my pleasure. My pleasure. Look forward to part two. <laughs> cool. All right, Dr. Young, did you have any other questions for, for Paul? No, no other questions. That's uh, thank you, you know. Uh, appreciate you and uh, peace and blessings to you know you all bringing the baby in and uh, it's everything moving forward. Man. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you, brothers, and uh, until that next time. Until that next time. So for myself, Sir Royce Rialis, for Dr. Raheem Young, and for our special guest Paul Flowers. Don't hang up. We have a little post name, uh, Paul. Uh, Thanks for listening to Welcome to Follow the Interviews and stay tuned for further announcements.